This podcast could potentially have adult language, adult themes, definitely drinking, and possibly the possibility of sexual content. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, Drinking With Authors fans. We have some pretty big news from your host here, Erica Lance. We are moving to change the format of the show to be one episode. So there's a few episodes that record the old way that we're doing the new way. And that's what you're listening to. So thank you. Don't forget to like and subscribe. And we love having you as fans. On to the show. Welcome to Drinking With Authors. I'm your host, Erica Lance. My co-host today is Bo Lake. And our guest today is the amazing Alex Holland. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you so much. I don't know where the amazing came from, but I'll take it. I got paid $5 to say that. Okay, I'll put it in your bank account. (laughs) Just kidding, just kidding. Okay, let's talk a little bit about what we're drinking. So it is very early in the morning here. So I decided to be slightly responsible, which is I have an English breakfast tea, but I maybe sweetened it with a little bit of honey jack. So I'm kind of adulting. It's just a smidge, just this is a shot. But what are you drinking? (laughs) Just a responsible amount. Yeah, uh, I just have normal, plain, boring coffee with nothing in it. That's fun. Oh, oh, you disappointed me today. Just I know. Up. I was able to get creative in my tink cup. Okay, Alex, what are you <laughs> drinking? So I can be a lot more fun because I'm on the other side of the world and it's eleven o'clock at night for me. So I have some Lagavulin, which is an Irish whiskey. Um, which is very delicious and the go-to that myself and my father-in-law give each other because we can't think of anything else. So we just <laughs> gift each other Lagavulin I know consistently. That and I love that whiskey. I'm nice. a very big fan of that whiskey. Yes. If it wasn't so early here, I could partake. I actually have a bottle of it in nice. my ridiculous um, liquor cabinet. And no, my liquor cabinet is not the size of a closet, just in case anybody's wondering who listens to the show. Okay. I would have su- would have assumed so. And Eric, the time of- is just a construct. You can drink if you want. You you say this, but You're the yeah, boss. contractors <laughs> are coming to my house. So <laughs> gotta judge these things. Um True. okay, Alex, for anybody who doesn't know, what do you write? I write sci fantasy. I write a story that's been stuck in my head since I was 15 and I'm trying to get it out. And how's that going so far? We're one down, uh, five to go. Um, so I want all six out by the time I'm 40 and I'm currently 36. So I'm, I'm, I'm moving. Wow. That's, that's a lot of right. So how many are written? Uh, one. Oh, okay. So let's, we're going to have to Scooby-Doo this and go back in time. <laughs> Um, and I can't use the Scooby-Doo sound effects because those are copyrighted. But um, if we're going back in time, what happened at 15 that got the story stuck in your head? I was a builder's laborer and I was on the way back from a job and was daydreaming out the window and just imagined the whole world turning blue. The people, the buildings, the trees, the whole thing turns blue. And then I got the image of a yellow person inside this blue world of how do they exist? How do they get around? How are they treated by all these other blue people? Mm -hmm. And then from there, the inverse, if there's a blue world, then there must be a yellow. 
And then the whole color wheel started to kind of open up of the way that we kind of treat each other is based on melanin, right? But what if we went to the extreme of like full colors in that you've kind of got all this this world of of colors and they're all kind of diametrically opposed to one another. And so this this idea morphed and grew and became what I first started writing was what I thought at the time was the first book, but actually turned out to be the fourth. And so I got about three, three quarters of the way through the fourth and went, this idea is too big and went back and started writing the first one. So I've kind of got a little Star Wars thing going on where one to three is one story and four to six is another. Wow. I, I first of all, I love that you have a Star Wars thing. I'm hoping um I'm assuming two and uh five will be the best as Empire Strikes Back is the best out of Oh, those you get three. to go so dark on the uh, on the <laughs> second round, which will be fun. I'm very much excited to uh to go dark on, on two and five. Okay, so what actually propelled you to do this and publish your book? Like so the idea of writing, and I get the concept and story stuck in your head, but that next leap is not a small leap. So no. just that. Um, growing up and being raised on a healthy diet of video games, escapism, books, movies, TV shows, I'd always loved a story. And from watching Star Wars and from reading lots of Tolkien and getting into uh, sci-fi as well, into Arthur C. Clarke and the likes of. What I really liked was when fantasy wasn't too boring and when sci-fi wasn't too technical. And there wasn't any of that that I was looking for. And so this idea that had been with me I was trying to find, well, I'd had this idea with me and I was trying to find that sweet spot between the two and I couldn't find it. And so this this leap that you kind of mentioned was like, well, I'm kind of looking around to try and find this thing, but it's it's me. Like I have to do this if I want to create this thing or to find what I'm looking for, then I have to make it. And I have no idea what I'm doing, but I this there, there has to be a reason why this idea is stuck with me for so long. There has to be something to that. It's been in my head since I was 15 and has evolved and changed and haunted me in the nice possible way um, that it wants to wants to be uh, it wants to be created. It wants to be out there. And so I think from that that kind of concept of it's been around for so long and I've kind of got an idea of how the story goes and from all these kind of different inputs of, of uh, escapism um, that I've kind of consumed. I'm like, I could make something really cool with this. And so it, yeah, it's, I found it recently. There was a, an Alfred Adler quote was, I'm so grateful to the idea that has used me. So I think I'm just a vessel in which this thing can be, can be born. I'm, um, I need to, figure out how to be a writer as part of it so that it can be given out to the world because that's what I'm here to do. That's what I, uh, I feel is my, my obligation and my, my gift back to, uh, to the, what is it, one in 400 trillion lottery? Something like that, yeah. But 
so did you do any like where's your writer sort of training or were you just inherently some people are inherently a good writer like but other people it takes a little time so did what about you have you been writing all your life um I'd always uh, I'd I'd kind of fallen in love with music and started doing kind of lyrics and and things like that and always loved creating stories um and drawing in kind of that artistic style I'd when I started writing I had no idea what it is that I was doing I'd I'd kind of known about the hero's journey in a sense from the stories that I had read and the movies that um, I'd watched so going through and doing this kind of process I needed to humble myself a little bit and go actually I suck and that's great because then I can build and get better at it and so finding books about you know structure and you know perspective and how to not, you know, info dump on people and how to kind of show and not tell and all kind of trial and error. I think doing pure, doing the thing, you figure out how to do the thing, if that makes sense, in by mm-hmm. if you just kind of do that repetition, you you understand how not to suck as much. And so doing that at volume allows you to naturally get better and you can kind of use a lot of this wonderful like resources like Saves the Cat is a great um, resource to kind of utilize and go, okay, these are the beats. Um, this is how you know if you're on track, off track. Um, things like that of that nature are really helpful. Very cool. So, okay, tell us about your fantasy world, like the characters and stuff like that. So the primary <laughs> colors. Yes. What is the, without giving it away, because people need sure. to buy the book, how do, we, how do we come into this world? Who are our characters? <laughs> so Kobe Dumas, is the main character of the story. He has brown hair and brown eyes. And because when you mix all three primary colors of red, yellow, and blue, you get brown. So completely innocuous to you and I on earth, brown hair and brown eyes, pretty regular, right? Mm-hmm. What about if he's <clears throat> transported, transported <laughs> into a world where People have red eyes, red hair, blue eyes, blue hair, green eyes, green hair to their respective places. He's dropped into this world and he's the prophesized one. He's the one who's going to bring balance to everything. How does he navigate suddenly going from a really, really bad situation on earth and where he is to being heralded as this person, this person that's going to... bring balance that has all these responsibilities thrust upon him to try and correct this world, to try and figure out who he is, where he's come from, because it's the natural, oh, not the natural, it's the, it's the superhero story of there. You've got the, <clears throat> the, the, the person who's in a world who doesn't know their origins or their powers purposefully, because if they were in that world, that would be a problem. But as soon as they're dropped into it and have that raising of <clears throat> humility, if you will, of not mm-hmm. knowing their powers, not knowing who they actually are, then they can be the master of both. And so as, as, the, as the stories progress and as the books will progress, it's about going through, <clears throat> and I'll get, it, I'll get a little technical here, a vertex <laughs> a vertex is one of the six books that I'm planning because the series is called The Prism. 
And I don't know where this oh. idea came from. I'm not into, I wasn't into geometry, but this, this came to me in that <clears throat> the, the book one is vertex one of the prism and there's six all up. There's five phases to a prism. And those are the levels of the game that the characters have to go through and compete in this, um, in this, this story, as well as that <clears throat> there's nine edges to a vertex or to the, to the prism, I should say. These are the things that the characters must go through and collect. So these are the seven colors of the rainbow plus black and white. And so that's the whole kind of proponent of the story in each of the books. They go and they capture these edges and it creates this full suit of armor from all the different colors that the characters can wear. And when you wear them, if your color <clears throat> corresponds to the edge, it'll transform into this, like you've got a red ring and it transforms into this giant dragon gauntlet or shoes and you can swim through water. Because Kobe has all the three colors, he can wield all of them. And so it kind of goes back to the origins of how was the, the, the place created? How do you balance warring nations? All these kind of different things. This is very cool. I love this uh, concept. This also sounds like it would be a cool like show or movie. You know, yeah, like HBO Max show. Yeah, like I'm willing to spend $20 million an episode. Oh, wait, that would be the rings of power. <laughs> I, like, I like this idea. I do. I do. Let's put it out there in the universe. So I've got it. I've you... got it in there. Good. 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 <laughs> We've got it for you. Um, so how did you end up publishing? Are you with a publisher? Or did you self-publish? I self-published. Yeah, okay. I went self-publishing. So I just did some research around how do I how do I do this thing? How do I not get sued um, for, for, for using? Um, so one of the concepts is well, the main concept for how the, the the books progress is that the characters go to a music festival and there's real bands that are playing at this festival. So I've got different headliners for different nights because I like the concept of the cyclical um, stories in that you can have just like Harry Potter has like the years as they progress. Mm -hmm. I like the idea of having a three-day festival and every day is a different headliner and every day is a different um, story. So when the characters go to this world, they go and experience and they come back and they still get to see the headliner and come back. But I use real bands. So in case any of the bands get pissed off, I've got um, I've got a uh, an escape clause so they don't go after me and I can, they can go after my, my publishing company. <laughs> oh, you know, it's actually interesting you say that because when it comes to copyrights, one of the things that um, uh, I, I well, I listened to because it was in an audio book was Will Wheaton's um, update to his autobiography. Hmm. And his first autobiography had all these song lyrics as the titles of the chapters, right? Hmm. And in the next one, some of them were cut out because you could say the name of the band, but you couldn't say the line because the line was copywritten. But then he really? made a whole big thing about like, so the editor cut this one out too, but it's a song by the Kinks, and it talks about this, this, and this. <laughs> That's and really he's like, interesting. But instead, it's just a bunch of blacked out lines. So, which yeah, <laughs> I love that he just leaves the blacked out stuff in it. Like he's like he did. He's like in I'm the filling book, the space. Yep, this has already been typeset. We're leaving it because he was just mad, which <laughs> understandable, of course, of course. Um, so. 
That so what was you said you looked into it because going the self-publishing route can be perilous sometimes and sure. interesting. Um, what surprised you about going that way with the book? Uh it was easier than I think what well uh, as uh, Alex oh. says this, there are many writers listening going, what the hell is he talking about? <laughs> it's fine. Well, Go ahead. All, continue. You're on the you other side. Said, they you can't find you it. easy. It's a, I guess it's a, it's a sense of, oh, it's a mindset thing, right? If you think that dealing with a computer is going to be hard, then you're going to have a bad time from the get-go, right? So it's, it's all in how you approach it. And it's that the information is out there. You just have to be willing to kind of look for it and explore and kind of find out what to do and also what not to do. So there's people that are out there that can educate you on how to self-publish. And there's also services that you can pay for that will do it for you. And so having, I guess, that mindset over the top of the situation to go, well, if I go on to Upwork or I can go on to Fiverr and I can find someone who could do it for me, or I could also find a YouTube channel and there's the hundreds of them that people can kind of step you through exactly the process to which you need to do. So when I say easy, I mean easy in the sense that you have a willingness to explore and find like-minded people who can navigate you on the path, as well as a willingness to potentially get it wrong. Um, That's the, from the, from the start of well, I don't know what I'm doing, so why don't I just find someone who can help me avoid the the, the pitfalls of that? So that's that's my thinking. Well, I like that thinking. So what about your cover? Because I'm sure you have all, um, let's hold up the book, Shameless Self-Promotion Time, but I'm sure. sure you have all of these books awesome. So do you have it in your mind what you want every single cover to look like to go together for this? sort of rainbow world and i want to know what the black cover is going to look like <laughs> so the each of the each of the books will be the each of the books because there's there's six i can't indigo and 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 purple i understand that they are two different separate colors but i'm squishing them together because i can't make seven vertices in a prism so i'm i'm kind of combining those two and having each of the colors be red, blue, orange, green, and purple, um, and I'm missing one yellow, to kind of make the whole spectrum of the, the, the colors that exist, as well as the images on each um, mid-journey is the funnest thing to, to play around with. Um, if you're not familiar with it, it's the AI art creation tool in that I started I just put in for this cover, which um, I just typed in the prompt, if you can kind of see that. It's kind of this this cool little dystopian world. Um, yeah. I just chucked in the prompt, dragon red greed, um, which is some kind of key themes that I have for the, for the book. And that's what it spat out. I'm like, that's the cover, done. Um, and so I'll be doing the same thing for the other books. So for um, the secondary, which will be about anger and uh and more dragons and the things of it'll it spat out this other cool underwater image of like this this weird fish in this um city that's under the water i'm like yeah that's cool done um and so the, all the other kind of key themes or at least the <clears throat> the the themes that the deadly sins will be 
one of the the prompts I put in, as well as um, yeah, just what is the coolest thing that Midjourney can kind of spit out, um, or, or the other AI cre- creation tools until um, until I manifest. Uh, are you guys familiar with the artist Boneface? No, but he did. He did the cool. um, <clears throat> he did the covers of um, the album covers of a band called Queens of the Stone Age. Um, he does some incredible artwork um, until it responds back to me to um, to, to make some Ooh. album covers, uh, some book covers. Um, I'll stick to those. I can see why you'd like to use him. He's really cool. Yeah, those are really neat looking. Okay. This is why we have the Google tools while we're doing things. That is awesome. Very cool. Bo, before the first half is done, guess what I'm going to do? I get to ask a question. You get to ask some questions. Holy crap. Yeah. <laughs> so you're talking about how it's kind of, it seems very genre bendy. Like there's sci-fi elements, fantasy elements, dragons and other planets. And how, how did you decide to go into it in that way and not stick into like a specific genre? It's so much cooler to, to kind of mess with lots of different things at once. And yeah. the kind of, the elevator pitch is Game of Thrones in space, um, which I think is cool because you're like, oh, yeah, that, that sounds fun. Cool. <laughs> um, so borrowing from lots of different places. So I not knowing the rules of writing and just going, this is cool. I'll just borrow from here. So I found Ray Kurzweil is a guy who predicts um, AI uh, not AI, but a lot of technological innovations. And he's had like a 97% strike rate of what we're going to invent when since like the 1970s or something. And he goes on beyond um, where we currently are to the future of where he talks about the, the singularity of where we create something that will surpass ourselves. He's so much fun to borrow from of all the stuff that he's talking about, like nanobots and and all this cool stuff. I'm like, yep, that'll be fun. Put that in. (laughs) Um, The character names uh, for the story borrow from the Enuma Elish, which is a Mesopotamian creation story of one of the most ancient texts about um, gods and and younger gods warring and doing these things. I'm like, yep, that'll be fun. Throw that in Um, because it's cooler. Um, I think it's, Mm. if there's layers to it and, if it's interesting and you kind of borrow from different places, you can do anything. So yeah, why not just kind of mash it all together? Would you say it's more fantasy or more sci-fi for like readers who are thinking of picking it up? Uh, it's, it's more sci-fi, I would think, um, because it leans more when you get into the world it leans more into what the future may be like set in kind of a fantasy world. So like a king with like a laser eye um, in that um, you have the, but his castle is um, this giant sword that comes out of a, a giant polluted smog. So it's kind of got that dystopian kind of world um, of which technology has kind of been integrated but it it's kind of foundational. It's in fantasy, but it's 
characters walk around and interact with a lot of sci-fi stuff. So I'd say yeah, more leans onto the, the sci-fi world. Well, it sounds even dystopian a bit, to be honest. Like it sounds like it's sci-fi fantasy dystopian, which I love because I think we need to have and break down more genre walls than you know, I think fans love that idea. I mean, people do love like hard sci-fi or hard high fantasy, I guess they call it. And, you know, but I think it's neat when you can combine them all because it definitely um, lend, adds to the story and expands what you're able to do with the story versus just magic. Now you have that technology as part of the magic and stuff like that. So that's fairly cool. Very cool. Because Star Wars works so well because it's like it came right at the sweet spot of this is fantasy enough and technological enough that I can buy into it. I don't have to understand how the lasers work. I don't have to understand how light speed works. It's cool. Like <laughs> don't bore me with like the details of how the hyperdrive works. Right. Don't bore me with the, we saw what happened with one, two, and three when they dove into the politics, but you can, you can find that really kind of nice in-between spot of where to meet the reader in that this is a cool story and there's a cool thing in it. I'm not going to explain how it works. I'm not going to bore you with backstory of the detail of how this thing was created. We're just going to use it and we're going to propel the story forward and let's just use that. Hey listeners, you know me, Eric Lance. You're just listening to me in the podcast that you have, but guess what? I'm doing something new. Yeah, she's joining me, Mark Muncy, the author of the Erie, Florida book series in Erie, Appalachia, and we are hosting a new podcast called Erie Travels. Woo-woo, Erie Travels, which covers things like ghosts, cryptids, weird stuff, UFOs, men in black, all kinds of fun things that people talk about and I'm sure you've discussed with friends. Yep, and you can listen to us on your favorite podcast platform of choice or find us at eerietravels.com and join in the fun and all the spooky goodness. And of course, Mark, what do we always say? We'll see you on the other side. How long did it take you to write this book one, Alex? Book one would have been probably about two years. Okay. Two, two well, years solidly. you don't solidly. have that much time for your math earlier to get the rest done. Oh, I, I calculated it out. So when I had the idea when I was 15, it took me 21 years for the first one to come to fruition because I started the fourth and parked it. If I if I keep going on a 21-year cycle, I'll be 148 by the time the sixth one gets released. So that'll be fine. Like, what could go wrong? I'll be still around <laughs> by then, right? No, I need, just, I need to hurry up. Just be just an AI up. and a computer writing it. <laughs> upload, upload my consciousness to the cloud. Now mm-hmm. I'll be, uh, I'll be needing to speed things up just a touch. <laughs> uh, yes. No, I would think so. So have you figured out how to do that now? Yes. So there's the, the thing that was a bit of a game changer for me was finding out about league and lag metrics in that a lag metric is something that you can't change. It's your bank balance at the end of the month. It's when you step on the scales, it's a fixed number. You can't change what this number is, but what you can influence is a lead metric. This is 
how many times you go into the gym. This is the products that you sell on your website. You can influence a lag metric. And so for the book, I have an estimated target of about 100,000 words. What I can do is I can say, when I want this book, I can then just divide that 100,000 words by the number of days. And that gives me the word count that I need to hit. So as long as I'm hitting that, I know that I'm progressing to what uh, to the book's eventuality, which is what happened when I started doing this with the first book, is that if I know if I just hit this and do this every day, so the book will just take care of itself. And a <clears throat> seemingly large and at times overwhelming challenge can be broken down into something that's actually quite easy because you just go, well, I just need to hit this today and just hit this today and hit this today and the book will take care of itself. Okay, so you are the first author that has ever been on the show talking about math and <laughs> how they math their way to a book. Uh, Bo, correct me if I'm wrong, because they do drink on this show, but I think this is the first I don't, time. I think it's the first time I've ever heard um, high-level math concepts be used for a workout. Yes. I love it. So, okay, I guess the, the question that I have, I have so many questions. One, I can't <laughs> do the maths like that. So just to clarify, if you're an author out there and you can do the maths like that, congratulations. But um, since it's such a creative form, are you treating this like, I always say that as an author, you kind of have to treat your writing like a job. Because if you don't sit down and do it like a job and treat it like it's something you have to get done, it's very easy to get distracted and stuff like that as a creative thing. Because it's one of the first things you can put on the back burner of life, sure. right? There's a lot of things that you can't put on the back burner of life. So my my question, as I get there with my honey jack in my brain, um, is uh, do you find your, that it's easy to meet these goals all the time to be able to just sit down and put creative things down? Or do you go through one of these days where you're like, I'm going to do this much, and then you read it the next day and you're like, bah, delete all of that. I don't know what I was thinking. Because <laughs> I think we all have those moments where we write something down that we think is utterly brilliant for whatever reason. Sure. Why? And then and the then next light day, of day. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then the next morning, as we review what we've written, we've gone, this is terrible. Why the hell did I do this? And we erase it. <laughs> this is um, draft number four and bird by bird, right? These are the concepts that they kind of talk about is that your first one is going to be rubbish. Like your first go at this is going to be trash, but there is a muscle that you're building in by doing it day in, day out, that you will get better at it. Like you will be able to write better. It's through the process of continually writing that you improve. Though you come to the, the next day and go, what was I thinking? The not doing the writing is worse, even if it's not even to the, the book that you're writing, uh, Ideally, you, you stay on task, but the process of repetition, you're training yourself to be a writer in that you are the kind of person that makes time for this, in that you, your personality or your identification of you as, uh, as a writer is something that you show up every day and do and make time for and keep sacred whenever that is. If you have young kids 
you get up and, and make time for it or you're up late and, and doing it there. The, the, the writing aspect should ideally get you out of bed and keep you out of, keep, keep you from going to bed um, at night because you're excited because you're getting this concept. You're like, this is a really cool idea. I want to do this. And, and having that motivation in yourself to continually go after it. Cause I think certainly what I found was before I was doing this lagging and leading metric was getting disheartened when I do one day, when I do a thousand words and the next day I do nothing. And it's like, what, what happened? Like, why did I not do that? When humans, uh, I, uh, as a, as kind of a broad brush statement, when we're trying to adopt a habit, what we tend to do is make it harder on ourselves to meet the goal. So we start with one push up, and then we say, oh, that's not enough. I've got to do 10. And then that's not enough. I've got to do a hundred. And then the problem or the habit becomes too overwhelming. We just don't do it at all. If we if you set that benchmark as something that is achievable, um, that doesn't move, that you just, you do for, for myself, 350 words, that's it. Just do 350 words day in, day out. Doesn't matter if I do 5,000, doesn't matter if I do 351. As long as I'm hitting that one metric and I'm making time for it, it's going to take care of itself. And so for, for those who are writing, if you find what, word count you're trying to hit just have that and just have that for <clears throat> divided by the days or, or divide the number by the days for when you want it to exist excuse me and then don't move that number don't make it bigger or <clears throat> put yourself in a situation where it's you're trying to write the whole novel in like a day like you're setting yourself up to fail keep that habit small and achievable no, I, I think, <laughs> listen to the sage author for the first time who's self-published. I mean, I think what you said is exactly uh, brilliant in what authors need to do in order to accomplish their goal. There is an author who whose name escapes me right at this moment in time, but I will figure it out. And he basically said, write 200, he writes 200 words a day. You know, yeah. and that's how he does it. Every day he writes 200 words and maybe... They aren't the best 200 words, but he does that. And what he finds is that he goes um, faster and faster. And some days he's better at it. And some days he's worse at it, you know, but every day he's writing at least 200 words. And I think that's brilliant advice because it's very easy to push yourself to go. I'll do it later. Right. This is um, Jerry Seinfeld's don't break the streak in that. He just says, write a joke every day and just don't break the chain. Don't break the streak. Yeah. Doesn't even it doesn't have to be in good. Just don't break the streak. Just do it every day. I love this sage advice. Um, uh, my lovely friend, uh, Bo, what is your advice? <laughs> I do the same thing. Actually, I do the um. There's this game app called For the Words, and you write a certain number of words a day and fight monsters. And so my word count is like 400 a day which is nothing. It's very, like, it doesn't take very long. But it always feels so good when you get your 400 words instead of being like, oh, I have to write 10,000 words a day or whatever. Or like Stephen King and write eight hours a day. I don't have time for that. Uh, so I, I definitely agree with that advice of being like, 
short little goals that never change that are always obtainable and you don't stop doing the thing. The thing gets done every day, even if it's just 400 words. Yeah, It's a low barrier for entry, right? And it just, yeah. it's like, oh, I can do a 500 words. Sure. Yeah. And you get to fight monsters at the end of it. It's a great deal. <laughs> yeah. What is the name of that app again, Bo? For the words, for the number four, the words.com. Yeah. Very cool. Just for anybody listening. It's so, so cool. What were your major influences growing up? Like what kind of books did you read? Did you, were you heavy into fantasy sci-fi? Because you said you didn't find anything that kind of straddled that sort of in-between that wasn't too technical and too high fantasy. But what did you read? What did you enjoy reading growing up? Um, I loved I loved Harry Potter. I loved Tolkien. Uh, I loved, on, uh, on the fantasy side, I loved the... Arthur C. Clarke. I loved the. Uh, um, there's a guy. Um, the name escapes me, but he did Hyperion, um, which I really loved. Uh, from a book side, from like a video game side, there was there's a, a ton of influences that that I could I could draw from and, and bore you from, but it came from it came from lots of different places. Certainly the the structure of um, the Game of Thrones slash Lord of the Rings style of jumping from character to character, I loved and used that in my books, which is so good to propel the story along. Certainly when you leave a character in like a bad spot and they're like, I've got to get back to see what happened um, is, is fun to do. My sister did that. She's like, I caught up with her and she's like, I had to move ahead in the book to find out if the character was okay because <laughs> I, I really like her. So that was that was cool to, to hear her say that. So I like that. Um, and it's the same thing for like the Game of Thrones. Like It's like, what happened with Danny? Like, I'm just going to get through this to find out what happened. Um, that's a good way to move the story along. So, yeah, certainly from lots of different spots. Very cool. Bo, what is your like favorite sci-fi fantasy trope? Oh, I like the, um, I like transforming armor. That's fun. Mm. Um, so that's one I use heavily. So I had this, <clears throat> one of the early kind of concepts was almost like a, um, do you remember? I think, did is it, it's like Megazord or is it? So Power Rangers. Yeah, kind of that, Power those, Rangers. Yeah, yeah. So you've got all the different colors, and when you get them all together, they just make this giant mecha beast. Mm -hmm. That concept kind of is – so there's <clears throat> one of the supreme characters that I have in, in the story is uh, the, they call her the mother, and her – her iris is the the color wheel and that it goes from like yellow into orange into red into blue the whole way around and she can wield all of the nine edges at once and her whole when she wears all of them it creates this amazing suit of armor and so all the different edges are in these different worlds so they only can use one of them at a time so of the <clears throat> story in primary the first three books, Kobe can only wield three, but in four, five, and six, I'll introduce a different protagonist who will have 
the same iris as the mother who will be able to wield all of them. And that'll be really fun. I'm looking forward because <laughs> she was who I originally started with until I got three quarters of the way through and went, okay, I need to, <clears throat> I need to go back and actually tell how the story happened to lead up to her story. Um, but yeah, the transforming armor, really fun. What's your least favorite? Mm, I think the, um, the king to be or the yeah. royalty um, kind of aspect that they're, they're the, the lost king or they're the lost um, heir to the throne is, yeah, I don't know, a bit, a bit kind of trite in that sometimes they're not meant to be or you don't want them to be. Um, that's, yeah, that can be a bit on the nose sometimes. Oh, no, you because the you fantasy go. sounds in the dog barking was now calmed down. Um, <laughs> I saw your mouth moving and I was like, I'm just going to do it. That's okay. You guys are supposed to telepathically know what I'm asking. And oh, so are the listeners. Because that's a thing. I've looked at it. I promise. I've looked it up. It's a real thing. Um, it's not. But my question actually is, uh, when it comes to, um, oh my God, I just lost my question. No, it's coming back. Oh, you published the book. It's out there, right? Yes. Um, what has the feedback been like? Um, it's fun. I, my dad is a massive um, fantasy nut, and I got him to review it and put it on my website. He's, he's the, the video recording is just brilliant of him. Um, giving it in in such a uh, such a fatherly way is is great so to to have his kind of stamp of approval on it was was really fun and as well as the the other people who have who have picked it up it's been yeah it's been really cool to to see the response to it that they really like it um one reviewer is like how do i get to the one of the the cities in your story because it sounds really cool um there's a i think he just wants to one of the <clears throat> one of the the cities they have a um a tournament called the Sunball Tournament, and it's a um, a very violent sport. And I think he wants to go there and watch it. So um, it's uh, it's been cool. It's been fun to to have that kind of response that they like it, they enjoy it, and they're yeah looking forward to more. What what was what has surprised you since it's come out from the feedback just, or just from... at all like you know something maybe you didn't expect after you published a book you were like i didn't know that would happen what is that i i signed some copies of it um which has been kind of weird and exciting at the same time in that i don't know you, you might not maybe innocently expect you may not expect it to go well, you have the highest hopes that it will go well, but some of the things that maybe go along with it, you may not expect to happen to you, or you may be caught a little bit off guard. So signing books for for people and that it's like, well, what do I say? Like, what do I, what do, I do? Um, Did you practice um, your signature? Because <laughs> well, I'd like thought of like, like, do I, do I write like the one that you sign on like forms that, or do you have like, <laughs> do you have like a, an author signature? Like, what do I, what do I do? Like, what do I, what do I say? That's a, that's a fun aspect to it. And I think sometimes even just catching myself, just going, well, that's, 
mine. It's got my name on it. It's like, it's a real thing. It's tangible. It's not just an idea anymore. I think that's maybe the biggest reward of all in that you've able to transform an idea that's here into physical reality, which is what we have all around us, right? It's that everything we see was once an idea, certainly from a, not from a natural environment, but from a man-made environment. And to do that yourself, that's mm-hmm. a massive reward. I I think that's one of the coolest things. Have you been reading your reviews online? I've read, yes, I have been reading some of them. I haven't broken my five-star rating yet, which is fun. Um, it'll It's got to be broken, surely, at some stage. But um, that's well, if you get wildly popular, that's the thing you have to prepare for that, because if you look up any of the books that you loved, there has to be star reviews on those books. Right? Has to be. Has to yeah. be. Right. Yeah. Um, that'll be uh, that'll be that'll be fine, because at least I know it's out there and it's in the, the, the wider kind of consciousness of existence. And I can you learn more from failure than you do from success. So if I get people saying that was a terrible, you know, chapter, or that was a a really bad character, or that didn't make sense. or there was an error here, like, cool. Okay. I can course correct. So that's can be really valuable. So yes, I'd be, I'd be not welcoming of one stars, but I'd be happy to be steered towards how to make it even better as I go to two to six from here on out. Well, yeah. And that, I mean, that's kind of also based on the premise that um, what the person is feeding back to you is something useful that you could use. I mean, mm. just be prepared for that as sometimes the reviews are not helpful in just people that shouldn't have read the book to begin with. Some people are just, you know, hanging out under bridges, just trying to. You know. <laughs> <laughs> OK, Bo, I'm going to give you one and then I'm going to do one before we wrap up. Okay. If you if they were going came to you and they were like, we're gonna make a movie based on this book, who would play the main character? It's a good one. Um I'd like to go a no name. Um because I think there's there's a lot of weight that kind of comes to someone who's already pre that is already kind of out there. And certainly for certainly for uh, akin to kind of how Harry Potter was done in that you have the Kobe is Australian Ruby one of the other characters is is British and one of the the, the other um, main protagonists Solomon is American I'd like to have them young 20 something year olds who maybe have kind of skirted the edges of fame but not had a massive kind of like they're on neighbors or whatever the equivalent of of um big tv show or breaks have have happened before because it could or i feel like it could detract from the story itself that could be detrimental to the film's success if no one knows who they are um if it's a, a, a movie full of no names but it's yeah it would be it would have to be kind of like you have to see kind of the, the chemistry between the three is probably more important of how that, that kind of portrays um, rather than, yeah, kind of big, big names. It's, a, it's not a satisfying answer. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you know what? It's interesting that you say that because um, I think that's true, especially with some stars. 
Like there are people that you could get to be the supporting characters in your story that would lend itself to the story and bring their fan base to the story. But if you cast, for instance, The Rock, right? Unless <laughs> that role, and I'm just giving him as an example because I do enjoy, he's entertaining to me, but he's hmm. like many other actors that when I watch certain movies, like they're that character. I don't see a huge change of scope but that's why they're hiring them like i love ryan reynolds don't get me wrong i will watch ryan reynolds in anything right but he's always ryan reynolds but it's ryan yes. reynolds even, even when, when he's, he's deadpool dramatic he's ryan reynolds. yeah yeah and and stuff like that like he's very good at making fun of himself and he plays the roles very very well like that are in there but it's ryan reynolds and the roles are designed around it being ryan ryan reynolds right so mm. Um, unless your character is Ryan Reynolds, you don't want to cast Ryan Reynolds in, you know, unless that character is literally the spitting image of him, you don't yes. want to cast him because he's not going to do that role justice for mm. you. you yes. Know? Yeah. That's spot on. I like that. It's, I think those supporting characters could definitely be, you know, of the, of the fame. Cause a lot of the, a lot of the other supporting characters are kind of older um, in that I could, I could see, I could see Don Cheadle being one of the characters because um, he's kind of one of the ones that can morph into into different uh, characters. But um, aside from that, yeah, it's it's true. Yeah, Ryan Reynolds, and it's like interchangeable <laughs> name. It's like same character doing the same thing. Bless him. No, it's it's true. Unfortunately, it's true. And uh, but again, I love Ryan Reynolds, and we'll keep paying the monies to do the oh, Ryan yeah. Reynolds things. It's just. It's Ryan Reynolds, and that's how that goes. Okay, so you've got six books lined up, right, before you're 40. That's the intention. But what is your actual goal as a writer? Not, I'm going to publish these six books, but now that you've done the first one, do you have a, this is what I see myself as a writer, or is this just a hobby? An interesting question. Um, I feel like I'm a conduit for this thing to exist in that I need to, I need to get this out of me. Um, and I need to give this to the world, whether the world cares. Um, that's another question, but as to a kind of definite purpose, this is what I feel I'm here to do. And so okay. identification as a writer, I'm not, a hundred percent sold on in that I'm kind of <laughs> I'm kind of being used to get this thing out in that this idea has kind of come to me has taken hold of me and I need to I need to become the person or the kind of person that could make this a reality. And so it kind of puts has kind of put a challenge to me to say you need to discard all of your the, the the previous versions of yourself the the person who ignored this for so long the person who escaped into these things the person who ignored that this was something that you needed to do and adopted the mindset of that this is possible that this is what i need to do that i need to think mathematically that i need to break this thing down and find 
how I operate so that this thing can exist. And so I wouldn't, I wouldn't identify as a writer. I'd probably identify as a creator rather than a consumer. I like to think myself now from moving away from consuming as producing because I think that's, that's certainly so much more liberating as to give than as to receive because that was what I was doing for so long. Now to move into this different mode is a lot more fun. Well, it's going to be interesting to talk to you after book six is released and see where you're at then. If this has continued to explode in your brain or whether or not you're like, you know what? I've released it. It is done, 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 done. So I I feel like there's going to be music if that's the case, like a whole soundtrack. I hope so. so. I hope so. Well, I've got some, I've got the the idea of, of who's soundtracking the movies up here. So let's, um let's see how that goes. Hello, Drinking With Authors fans. This is your host, Erica Lance. Because of the change of the format of the show, welcome to the literary briefs portion. Enjoy. So my first question for you um, is this. What is your favorite book of all time? Good question. Uh, 2001, A Space Odyssey. Ooh, why? It's so rich with detail and it's so fun to think about the concepts of this the the monolith and that it goes through so much time and expanse of this thing existing and its interaction with the monkeys at the start and then going through all the different phases of of humanity and how it then kind of eventuates into the star child at the end. It's it's cool. It's really cool. I can't, I'm probably the only person that thinks it's it's really good, but it's such a fun kind of concept that I think it translates so well into what was the movie as well, in that it's visually such a great one of those books that visually when you read it, you can see it and it's so richly detailed that it makes it really fun. Very cool. Well, I was going to say, I don't think you're the only one that likes it. It did get made into a movie. So there's that. (laughs) Kubrick Um, style. What is your least favorite book? When I was a kid, I had this book called How to Be a Villain. And I think it really was detrimental to my upbringing because it was all the things that you shouldn't do to win friends and be... (laughs) And being nice to people, so oh. I, I, um, I did, uh, I did like it at the time. But looking back, how to be a villain um, is wasn't wasn't really good as an impressionable young man trying to try to uh, win friends. It was kind of the opposite way to go. So uh, best to avoid or best to wow. preface it with actually don't <laughs> don't implement some of these steps. Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, you mentioned the 2001 space movie. What is your favorite book to movie adaptation where you think they did a really good job of it? I don't think you can go past Harry Potter. Um, that's probably the All of them though. Let, let's ask ourselves. Oh, do we now. need do we need to be let's break specific. it down? Let's break it let's, down. Okay. There's, there's, okay, maybe there's a couple okay. little situations there, I think. Okay, that's fair. Are we uh, maybe we should define the parameters. Are we talking like 
one book to one book or oh no you can series to many series i just think you know i don't know adding adding scenes that weren't in the book yeah i mean wasn't that five the fifth movie they added an entire scene with the weasleys that was not in the books which scene right um I will find it. I know this mainly because I was sitting next to my daughter at the time who literally was watching it and went and pulled on my sleeve. And she was like 12, but she was like, that's not in the book. And I'm like, no, no, it's not. Okay, cool. Cool, cool, cool. So, you know, that was, I that was know awesome. what scene it is. I am going to find it, Bo, and okay. I will send it to you. Okay. Because Thrones did that with the liberties for ending the eight series and we oh, all yeah. saw how we that went. We don't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> That's we, like we don't talk about that at all. That will just get me into a blackout rage. So. <laughs> uh, what, you rage. didn't like Bran the Broken? How could you not like that? <laughs> it, that doesn't even, for me, start um the what is wrong with that entire situation that's not even the beginning to me what is wrong with that entire i you know i have to oh god you're gonna get me started on this i'm not even gonna get started i'm stopping myself because i will just get mad so mad um because i feel like the people that were the showrunners just decided to end it a lot more quickly and just stop giving a shit i mean the general outcry on that entire situation tells you, because it wasn't like fans get mad, like the Sopranos ended, fans were not happy with, you know, the way they ended that show, but you could still go, okay, it was a good ending. Like, I get it. It came to that ending, that sort of thing. And, you know, for the shows that know they're ending, like um, Breaking Bad, like that show got crazy, but the, I thought the ending was good. You know, like, I think they did a good job with wrapping up that show. Um, so for the shows that know their ending, aka Game of Thrones, like what the fuck? You had so much backstory, so many little things you built in, and you were like, none of that. We're gonna do this thing, and you're like, that doesn't even make sense. Like, <laughs> we're gonna go make a Star Wars. We can't do this anymore. Yeah, exactly. And then guess what? They no didn't Star get to Wars for you. Fuck them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Justice. Anyway, you got me on my tangent. So um, what is your, uh, uh, like... I should answer uh, your question. Yeah, um, you should. <laughs> Lord of the Rings uh, is the best, probably, book to movie adaptation, the way that um, Peter Jackson did it. And then, in the same breath, the way he did The Hobbit was possibly the worst. So you can probably, you can probably have both. Um, <laughs> I actually enjoy that you said that because, again, I super agree with you. Um, crushed, I, crushed the uh, yeah the, the the Lord of the Rings trilogy, but the Hobbit and the um, the barrel riding um, scene in in the the Hobbit was just yeah it was that was painful. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. A hundred percent with you on that one. Um, what if you could be any mythological creature or any fantastical creature? Like, what would you be? Good question. Um, Chimera springs to mind. Head of a lion, tail of a snake, body of a goat. It'd be fun. 
Um, though lacking flying ability. Hmm. No, I'll stick to Chimera. Okay. Okay. Um, did you ever play role-playing games? You talked about video games, but did you ever play role-playing games? Oh God. Yes, I did. Um, um whoa, whoa. Yeah, what how did that yeah. just happen? That that yeah, felt you, you, you touched a nerve. Um <laughs> I see that. How did that do that? That seems that's a, so that's, that's that's a good button to press. Um that was predominantly my young my younger days of 60 to 80 hour RPGs um just absorbing world building uh final fantasies anything by Square Enix um and then before they were Square Enix Square Soft so back in the Super Nintendo days early PlayStation days 2 3 those kind of uh, insane, um, long-winded, lots of dialogue, um, <laughs> uh, role-playing games, great fun. Yes. Oh, well, I still play table. Do you do tabletop? I have a lot of people who tell me to get into Risk um, and get get into, I think there's a tabletop version of Civilization, if I'm not mistaken, potentially. I'm in Dungeons and Dragons or GURPS or I haven't. I've never I've never forayed into that and I'm worried about myself getting into that. That could be just like a black hole that I never come out of because I would wait till after book six, my friend. I'll just yeah, I'll just like (laughs) give I'll just give it away and just like no, I'm just doing this forever. Um yeah, that that could be something after after 40. Maybe I'll buy myself the set. I like it. I think that should definitely be your celebration after book six is to do a um, role-playing game. Bo, my friend, is there a genre you'd like to eventually write, but are afraid to write? Hmm. I don't know. Uh, I, I have, I have flashes or, or have kind of like ideas of other kind of books that exist or not don't exist but uh, are annoying me in the back of my head as to ones that I'd like to create but they do fall in a similar kind of vein as to what I'm foraying into I would I would like to get (laughs) this will sound strange because I'm writing a sci fantasy book based on color I'd like to get weirder into some of the. <laughs> I'd like I'm to... terrified of what that means. How <laughs> does that mean? Like, <laughs> there's, I think there's more fun that I can have with kind of maybe fourth wall breaking kind of writing um, in one of the ideas that I have is I have a history of, of working in IT and there's they're great people to model characters after because they're so broken in the sense that they just can't talk to humans, but they can they can do such wonderful things to technology. To have like a character like that that is like completely non-interactive with uh, on on paper, but then can just do these amazing things. Like to have a villain like that who just does things but doesn't like 
talk to the protagonist or like can't because he's like socially shy. Um, but he's so much fun to play around with. Um, so yeah, that's um, that's something I would like to get yeah, a little bit, a little bit. I think post post these ones be fun to foray into. Okay, Bo. What is your favorite writing snack? Ooh, uh, I have, I have this little um, portable keyboard called the Free Write Traveler, um, which I love because it can kind of go with me, um, and it's it's great for that kind of portability. Um, my young children try and steal it, which does pose <laughs> somewhat of a problem, but. Um, Due to that kind of portability, um, access to the fridge is uh, is is very easy, um, which is good. Um, probably go to just fruit and uh, another round of coffee um, is always good. Caffeinated and uh, and uh, energy that's that keep me going. I like it. I like it. What about um, if you could travel anywhere? Like, and I don't. I'm going to ask the second question, but in the real world, if you could travel anywhere, no cost or anything, where would you go? Antarctica. Ooh, why? That's very cold. Challenge. Um, one of my, well, I think my profile feature that I like to use is me in an ice bath um, because it's it's good. Well, the, the benefits of, of ice bathing are many, but I think the mental challenge of kind of putting yourself in a situation where you probably shouldn't be there um, is it is good to test what you're capable of doing, and I think that's something certainly for for our culture we gravitate towards comfort and what's easy, and I think that's the wrong way. I like I like to go to where it's challenging, to where I don't know if. <laughs> that I'm going to die, but I don't know if I'm able to withstand the elements and able to endure and to put myself in a situation and to see what I'm made of, I think is only fueling being able to accomplish more because if if you can withstand an, an obstacle such as going to Antarctica and, you know, just braving, just getting there is, is a challenge in and of itself. But when you come back and you've got a four-year-old that has demands, it kind of puts it in perspective that you're like, well, I can deal with this. This is fine. And to, I think to more situations that I can kind of put myself in those, the better off that I'm going to be mentally, physically to deal with anything else that comes my way. Okay. You have such a unique perspective. I think that's interesting. Um, what about a fantastical world? <laughs> like Ooh. a literary world. What world would you want to visit? You don't want to go to Thrones because you're going to die. Um, oh, Star Wars is oppressed. Um, that's a good question. Um, there's... I wouldn't like to go to Zion because you know that's there's there's good parties in Zion in the Matrix, but that's probably not a good <laughs> that's not good for very long till the machines break in, right? I was gonna say if you're gonna visit there, you need to do that for a limited time window. 
yeah it's like <laughs> can i just can i be there and then i'm out yeah um, no we'll let you we'll let you have that one you can be there now all right i'll do that i'll go for the party in zion and then i'll bounce <laughs> i like it i like it what about um what is your favorite weird food combination <sighs> um i like anything with rice um so i've been guilty of putting spaghetti and rice together and my wife's like that's not a thing i'm like it is now like they go together you can put it pretty much put a lot of things with rice leftovers with rice just add rice and you'll be fine um my yeah my weird combinations are just like let's put two leftovers that are in the fridge and just like put it with rice and just see what happens generally it works out pretty well Okay. Okay. Spaghetti with rice. That is a little carb heavy, I would think. Um, I ideally keep the pasta out of of of. Said, oh, so, uh, so it's like meatballs. It's just the meat, yeah. Just the meat, yeah. And if right. it's already combined, then you've already got the instant meal. But if it's if it's still separated, then whack it together. Yeah, the spaghetti noodles are created, but you're like, I'm gonna do rice. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh, I love that. Okay. Um, Bo, what questions do you have? What is your coffee shop order? Soy latte. Yum. Good choice. Solid. Solid. I like uh Classic. long black two. Long black two if I'm if I'm fasting, but um yeah, soy latte, solid. Okay. Bo, you gotta you get more than one question here. I know I was picking one. You know I have a list. I know you do. <laughs> when do you do your best writing? Morning and evening uh, are my best while I'm kind of in that kind of morning haze or evening kind of malleability of the brain. I kind of managed to kind of kick into, I don't know, I'm, I'm very susceptible. I found certainly in the evenings to things that, I can easily get lost in like a YouTube wormhole um, if if I'm on the, if 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 I happen to 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 be on a computer. So the the free write was was really good that I could just kind of set up in the evening and just do that and get lost in the world. Um, so yeah, if I had to pick morning or evening, definitely evening for writing. Where do you do your best writing? Well, I got a free write as well. I'm just going to say those are awesome. Is so it good, cool? I kind of want one now. They're so good. The free ride traveler. It's so good. Yeah, no, that's the one I have too. It's super light, way lighter than you think it is. Yep. And so you can take it everywhere with you. It's about that big, but it has a full keyboard basically. Like it, the keyboard is not tiny. So it's not like you're, you know, and it has a ridiculous battery life, but guess what? It doesn't have the internet. Like you oh, cannot need go that. down yeah. a rabbit hole. You can literally take it, go sit on your porch, go sit on your couch, sit in bed and do it. And I don't know. I just find the laptop. My laptop tends to be too bulky to just mm -hmm. take around. And then I'm worried about where I can plug it in and all this other stuff. And the best and thing the is internet. <laughs> it has an internet connection to a Dropbox. So what you're writing connects to uh, the thing called the post box so you can edit it later so everything that you're going is going to the internet but it has the benefits of not having the rest of the internet <laughs> which is great yeah agreed agreed 100 
Okay, go ahead, Bo. Sorry. Okay. Where do you do your best writing? Since you can write Bed. anywhere. Bed. 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 I would fall asleep if I tried to write in bed. It's so it's such a nice way to fall asleep too, because it's akin to reading to fall asleep because you're kind of doing that wind down of your brain to go to sleep too. So yeah, be conscious of, you know, jumping into bed at seven o'clock and started writing because you could not off a bit earlier. But um, <laughs> it is um, it is a, a really nice way and a really satisfying um, way to kind of finish the day as well. It feels, it sounds very productive. Like you're like, all right, I've written my words. My words are done and now I can yep. rest and go to sleep. Yes, correct. Yeah, it's really, it's, it's cathartic in that you kind of have that, the last thing that are going to knock over for the day, if you haven't done it earlier, um, that you can do that. It's, yeah, it's really cool. Agreed. I um, fall asleep in bed too if I'm writing. It's a thing. It's like reading. I used to do that all the time. I probably should start again, but I used to fall asleep reading because it was a way to get my mind to kind of shut off. I don't know about you guys, but my mind will go mm. a million miles per hour. And then I'm like... Cool. This is what I'm doing till 3 a.m. Yay. <laughs> the bad thing is I'm tr I like read before I go to sleep and I have been like reading the same chapter over and over again because I'm so <laughs> exhausted from all the children that I'll start reading and I'll fall asleep and then I'll try it again the next night, fall asleep, never finish the book. Um, I have the, the pleasure of my, my, my one-year-old stealing my bookmark. So I'm like, where the hell off to? I'm like, I know that I wasn't on this chapter. Where was I up to? It's like, George, where did you put my bookmark? Oh my goodness. So um, what about reviews? Do you leave reviews for everything that you read? I... Yes, uh, I try to or aspire to because I certainly for as a now a sub-published author, you know the value of that, of seeing that review. If it's already kind of taken, it's super popular, they're like, well, I probably don't need it um, <laughs> in the sense that if it's got, you know, however many thousands, it's like, yeah, you know, drop in the ocean. But certainly for ones that are kind of up and coming that have, you know, under, under hundreds, it's so valuable because that just kind of propels them up further. So yes, aspire to, though I'm guilty of not reading much in my genre right now, because I'm, I feel like I might steal other people's ideas and <laughs> am more kind of focused on kind of my own kind of personal development and trying to um, become that producer rather than a consumer and how to focus on you know, the goal that I want and you know the mindset that I need to have to write four books in five books in four years. Um, I need to I need to optimize as much as I can. Very cool, Bo. Who plays you in the autobiographical movie about your life? Huh. Which poor bastard gets to play me? Um, I don't know. I I don't know. Oh, I've had a I've had a flash of a character. Um, 
do you know the movie uh it's it's a guy Ritchie film um vinnie jones let's go vinnie jones let's, let's have him play me because that'd be fun just to have someone with his accent just try and pull an australian accent and just <laughs> it would be fun because i ideally you could be like a guy Ritchie film in that it kind of starts off as like a um it's kind of like a, a Tarantino movie in that it kind of starts off kind of innocent and then it just goes to hell with like lots of blood and lots of violence. That would be fun. That would be really fun. Yeah, let's go, Vinnie Jones. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um. So what author would you want to have lunch with, even dead or alive? What author would you love to sit down and just have lunch with? Marcus Aurelius. Oh, why? Oh, the Meditations book the the book that he wrote for himself just to pick that brain to unpack some of the wisdom or the insights that that he had to you know teach himself to you know always have humility to that he would meet you know people who were going to detest him and to love them anyway and to the, yeah, the levels that, that that kind of book goes into for a, a way to be and a way to exist in the world um, would be incredible to, we'd have to get through a language barrier, but um, I think that would be, yeah, that would be so much fun. Or maybe Napoleon Hill. Um, he's he's certainly one that would be good to to pick his brain, all the, the think and grow rich stuff that he put forth. It's pretty cool. Very cool. Very cool. Okay. Shameless self-promotion time, my friend. Where do people find your book and you on social media? I am at the prismhexology.com. Uh, you can see the wonderful review that I didn't pay my dad to to present. Um, you can see um, all the links to my different social media accounts. I've had a bit of fun messing around with some skits and some some different things for the, promoting the book. Me pretending to be a marketing agency and uh, and and trying to sell my soul to uh, to, to to get a a book promotion deal. It's always been fun. So um, yeah, if you go to theprismhexology.com, that's where you'll find the book and all the links to the socials. Awesome, awesome, Alex. It's been so much fun having you on this podcast. Thank you for being here. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, guys. This has been Drinking with Authors. I've been your host, Erica Lance. My co-host has been the amazing Bo Lake. Our guest has been Alex Holland. And don't forget to like, subscribe, and review and comment. It's very funny. The drunk gnome in my head every now and then <laughs> wakes up enough to go, hey, don't forget this thing that you're supposed to say. <laughs> um, and we'll see you guys next time. <laughs>